Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per mile. If you've been in the trucking industry for any length of time, you've seen a lot of change in the technology that is used to maintain and repair commercial equipment. You've heard me say it many times before, and I'll keep saying it, the trucking industry is the backbone of society. And so we need to leverage every tool at our disposal to keep those trucks and trailers rolling. My guest today is Jim Rice. He is the VP of Transportation at Uptake. And Uptake is a leader in industrial intelligence. At Uptake, Jim helps fleets realize the business value of predictive insights. Jim, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Very happy to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about some of the overarching trends that affect the trucking industry. And then we're going to get into more specifics about what Uptake uh, offers commercial fleets. So I think that. We all are hearing the news that yes, a downturn in the economy is coming. If you're if you're managing a fleet, then there's increased pressure with that. And um, you know, I certainly I don't have any like scientific data, but anecdotally, people are telling me that tonnage is down. What steps are most likely for a fleet to take when they're looking forward and they're going things might slow down a little bit? Sure, sure. I think what we're seeing from our prospects and the the customers that we we talk to is really about trimming the fat. And what I mean by that is there's been years of, well, we have this data, maybe we don't utilize it to its fullest, or we're running this operation, and maybe it's not as sharp as it could be. But I think now everybody has to maximize every ounce of resource that they have. And so we we have to do that by utilizing what we're already what's already available to us, right? And so that's where the kind of the mindset is shifting is what do we have that's maybe resourceful that we're not pulling those levers on today that we can do to make sure we're more efficient moving forward. Yeah. And it must, it must really for fleet maintenance managers, it mu- they must feel like they almost have mental whiplash because we, we went from like all of the complications that happened with the pandemic uh, that included part shortages and supply chain bottlenecks. And then all of a sudden we had this like, roaring demand for trucking and now all of a sudden we're looking at at a drop of you know some some carriers have told me that their tonnage is down like 30 percent it's been a dynamic time hasn't it 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 really has and it's changed the way a lot of fleets are, are thinking about their operation how they're how they're going to market how they're you know trying to secure to get more tonnage back up but then also what are they doing internally to make sure that we are spending money in the right spots Maintenance budgets don't seem to be getting much bigger, and so it's like, what can you do, you know, to to maximize, you know, the the, the programs that you have today? And, and historically, we we firmly believe that, you know, a lot of the resources go to safety and driver retention and recruiting and things like that. And maintenance sometimes gets a little bit of, uh, you know, an afterthought of, hey, keep it going, keep it doing the shops. We do some in house, we do some outsource, 
but maybe not the attention and, and things like that it has. So the downturn should hopefully be able to put some reflection, uh, some attention and some some resources to, to getting the maintenance back on track and making sure that, hey, this is an area that I think there's some dollar savings to be had. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I had some fleet executives who were off the record, so I can't say which fleets they were, but they are ones with thousands of units. And they said to me that pre-pandemic, they they were really focused on things like the driver shortage and uh, the techni- even the technician shortage. And what they found during the pandemic with all those supply chain issues was that they realized how vulnerable our supply chain was. And they realized that visibility on parts was a big problem and it was costing them a lot more money than they realized. So when a fleet is looking at the potential of, of a downturn in the economy and the potential of their company not having as much work as maybe they did in 2022, what are some of the typical things they look at to try to control costs on the equipment side? So one of the biggest things that we're seeing is they're extending the life cycle of their vehicles, right? And so we're not flipping them for new trucks as, as much as we'd like to get. And maybe new trucks help with the driver retention and things like that. But, it, you know, they're, they're extending. So, A, new trucks are harder to get. But B, maybe it's not in the budget. And maybe we do have to stretch these ones out and get another extra 100,000 miles or a year or two more than, than what they had historically. And so that's kind of the mind shift is, hey, we turn these things over every four years, come hell or high water. And that's not the case anymore. So let me ask you something. Do you think that maybe it was a situation where like in 21 and 22, people were saying, OK, look, there's a lot of available trucks anyway. So we're just going to hang on to them. And they were firmly expecting to put in orders for 23 and 24. And now maybe they're going, well, maybe we need to extend another year or two because who knows what the economy is going to do. Have you heard people kind of thinking along those lines? Yeah. And a lot of it's at the con- at the individual company level, right? Like, So, so there's some players that have good line of sight and, and they have signed contracts and they know they're going to be firm. But there's a lot of the industry that's still kind of up in the air and trying to regain its footing after the after the pandemic and everything like that. So, you know, maybe if you're on that uncomfortable level of, hey, the, the margins haven't been great or our revenue wasn't as high, you know, that's going to play into the decisions about your equipment and, and things of that nature. So it's at, a, at that company level where you're like, are, am I strong? You know, what have I done historically and what does that need to change moving forward? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you can imagine if you ship food. I mean, those contracts are usually very stable. People are going to eat whether good times or bad. In fact, a lot of times during bad times, they they buy groceries and eat at home more because they can't afford to go to a restaurant. Uh, you know, if you're shipping liquor, you're almost looking forward to a bad economy because you know people are going to start <laughs> drinking, right? But if you're in one of those other vocations where there is a real ebb and flow, like the energy sector or other sectors, you've got to really pay attention to what's happening. And so that forces you to maybe manage your fleet in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we know and, and the, the, the larger carriers out there, they tend to have the purchasing power and get front of the line. And so even if you're a healthy organization, you may be raising your hand and you got, you know, 300 trucks and you're trying to get new ones and you may not be able to get to it. Right. So that's a company, you know, example where the company's really healthy and they want to expand out, but maybe they don't have the, you know, the access to the vehicles that they really want. And so they have to take measures that they would say, Hey, I don't want to do this. I'd rather have new trucks, new equipment, new forklifts and all that. It's just hard to find for me, right? And so they'll take the, the measures the other way. Right. And so if you're a fleet maintenance manager and you're looking at, okay, look, we're not buying new equipment. That means we're going to extend the life cycle of equipment. That means we got to pay attention to maintenance more because the last thing we want to do in a down economy is to have you know higher downtime 
which then puts maybe a contract at risk, which then could cause a snowball effect where you'd actually lose more business. That's got to be a concern for these fleets, especially if they're used to turning over their equipment pretty regularly. All of a sudden now it pushes them into kind of a new maintenance world that they haven't historically been in, uh, as opposed to someone who's like, well, we always run old equipment, so we're, we're used to it. Is that, is that true? Yeah, definitely. And it's, the, I love what you said about the domino effect or the, you know, the trickle down effect of what a breakdown does, right? So when you look at it, if you're a private fleet, it's your name broken down on the side of the road or being towed. There's an impact to your business. The uh, NPTC just had a quote that says, you know, every three and a half breakdowns, you know, a driver leaves. After every three breakdowns, a driver leaves. So now your driver retention if you're not doing this. So there's more impact than just, hey, the truck's not working, right? I may lose a contract. If I can't, I'm a car hauler and I'm hauling, you know, 10 new brand new Teslas across the country and they don't get there on time. I'm not getting that next contract, right? And so everything now is trickling down to being a, a more customer service centric organization. Maintenance is a huge part of that, right? If, you're, if your trucks aren't working, you're not making revenue, your drivers are upset, your customers are upset, it's that whole impact. And I think people are starting to see that fundamental shift of like, man, it all starts when the truck leaves the yard, right? With that load, if it doesn't get there, I, gotta, I just created myself a whole world of problems. Yeah. So, okay. So when we get back from our break, we're going to talk more about some specific tools that your company provides that will help people in this situation to address the maintenance issues and kind of get ahead of this instead of being reactive. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about that when we come back the other side. Don't have a heavy duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high quality fuel injection for heavy duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. Parts availability and quality have a big influence on fleets and owner operators' total cost of operation. If they can't find a part, it means more downtime. If they install a low quality part and it fails, it means even more costs like tow bills, hotels, meals for the driver, and lost revenue. That's why we recommend Sampa. They manufacture a wide range of advanced parts for commercial vehicles. Their website has an intelligent product search engine and broad coverage of suspension, steering, and fifth wheel components. Expect more. Expect Sampa. Visit sampa.com today. We're back from our break. And before the break, uh, Jim, it was great talking to you kind of about the trends that we're seeing, the way the economy impacts the trucking industry, the way fleet maintenance managers are going to have to respond to this kind of new environment we're moving into in 23, the, the odyssey of the pandemic continues. So Jim, let me ask you something. How does uptake fleet actually work to help fleet maintenance managers deal with the challenges of extending life cycles on vehicles? We're, we actually have two two paths that can help with the predictive side and getting ahead of maintenance. So one is the the sensors and insights side, where we'll take engine data from a various variety of sources, whether that's through an OEM, whether that's through a telematic service provider, but whoever's connected to the ECM, we'll gather that data. And as much data as they give us, we can then apply up to 65 different data science models that can provide out, provide out 200 different insights, predictive insights on how the truck is running. An example of that would be like a knock sensor failure, right? We start seeing anomalies, we start seeing uh, you know issues with the knock sensor, that could lead to a D rate and a breakdown or a limp or a toe back in. 
we're seeing those well ahead before it happens. It's not necessarily a fault code. It's not necessarily, you know, that's right when it's bad. We can actually say, hey, this is starting to have an issue. The beauty of that is that truck may be in for a tire rotation on that Monday. And we're saying, hey, this is starting to be an issue, right? Why don't you take care of it while it's here? You're absolutely right. Like, let's just let's just go down that road a little bit further. So you get this anomaly with a knock sensor. It comes in for an oil change or a tire rotation, some regular PM that that's scheduled. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a DPF that needs to be cleaned, uh, but maybe it's worse. Maybe it's an upstream issue with a turbo or or something else in the diesel emission system that is going to be more significant. Knowing about that sooner than later really empowers you to make better decisions. It's not reactive. You're not saying, you know, you're not picking up the the breakdown manager's not picking up the call saying, yeah, I'm on the side of the road and I'm 80 miles that I got to get towed to the next service center and things like that, right? So it's trying to get ahead of it. Our models are very, very accurate, you know, to, to be able to, to give the confidence that says, hey, driver, I know the light's not on. You're not experiencing an issue yet, but we still need to get that in, right? And so, hey, you're, you're close to XYZ repair shop. Why don't you take it there on Tuesday, right? You'll be, you'll be going through there. And so that's the type of stuff we're trying to do is get you ahead of that from that side. And then we have a work order analytics piece that does the same thing. We'll ingest work orders for the last two, three years. You have part survivability curves. Usually you change your oil filters at, you know, 50 weeks. You know, you have 20 trucks that are coming up on 50 weeks. Do you have the parts, right? So that they don't come in for an oil change and go, oh, shoot, we were, you know, we're five filters short, you know, so that type of stuff. So we can, we can be predictive. We can be proactive and level up the information that's already being available, made available to you through these TSPs or through these data sources, consolidate it and put it out front and center, low, medium, high, high severity, act now. Keep an eye on this. If you're doing some maintenance, take a look at it. That's the beauty of the system is it allows you to make good, educated decisions in, in real time. Okay. So, man, you, my mind's going in like three different directions. Me too. I talk a little fast. I get excited. <laughs> okay. So you said that you've got like 65 models and, and that produces 200 and something. Insights. Insights. Okay, great. So these models are based on the collection of data across thousands and thousands of vehicles that you are monitoring, I assume, correct? Correct. Not only that, but also the thousands of sensors and pieces of information that are coming off of a vehicle, right? And so what I like to use is is fault code consolidation, right, as an example. So everybody's collecting fault codes. In fact, fault codes are coming in by the thousands per truck at any given time, right? Like there's a lot of fault codes that can come in from, from the engine. So when you look at the fault code consolidation, right, you can say fault code A, maybe not that bad on its own, fault code B, not bad on its own, and see the same thing. But when you have all three firing at a certain time interval compressed, that's an issue. And that's some of the stuff that we can elevate that's, you know, when maintenance managers goes, oh, I get fault codes already. Not like this, right? Because you know that A plus B plus C is bad, right? As a standalone, it's not so much. So, you know, without going into the, the nitty gritty uh, and, and completely showing us under the hood, but um, with your system, does it have a, a learning, like a machine learning component to it so that it's adaptive so that as time goes on, the, the data and the warnings are getting better and more accurate as, as your fleet uses this more and more and more? And not only that, but as the OEMs and as the TSPs deliver more information, our models are already trained. So we have a data science group, right, that takes this in, applies machine learning. You know, we're not just banging away on keyboards every time we get a new sensor. It's looking for stuff. It's adding it into it. So a lot of data science behind these models that allows us to get to the predictive spot, right? And so that's the difference between preventative maintenance and predictive. Preventative is, hey, the fault code's here. I know exactly what to go fix. 
we're looking for things that say, hey, this combination is really an early warning sign. What are you going to do about it? Now it's starting to be a mid warning sign versus high, you know, things like that. Right. And and one area that computer systems like that and, and artificial intelligence is really good at where humans isn't, we're not so good at it, is when you have a multi-factor analysis and you have to factor in correlation and causation, you know, a lot of times as humans, we make assumptions that that just because something correlates it, that's also causation. It's not necessarily true. So I can see the real advantage of having this predictive system in the background working for you to help you to make those connections that says, yes, these things correlate, but when these things correlate and then you add this other you know, factor, that's now going to be the cause of a problem. So you got to get ahead of this. Good example would be how we kind of understand the normal operating procedures of a truck. So we know that one that runs through the Rocky Mountains in December is going to run hot when it's going up the hill with full loads versus, you know, somebody that's going across Kansas in the middle of the summer, right? And so the normal operating, you know, uh, temperatures and experiences of the truck go into these correlations, right? And say, hey, no, it normally does that. And then it levels out and nothing really happens, right? And so we don't like to spike that up as an alarm that says, hey, you need to take care of it. It was running hot. Yes. No, summer and we're going through the through the mountains, right? Like I get it but it comes back down to normal. And so we don't necessarily do that. So we're looking for constant spikes, you know, and things like that, that would say, hey, this is going to lead to a problem, not the one-time kind of spike every day. Right. And and so for two years now, people on the podcast have talked about the parts shortage and supply issues. We're going to experience a new component to that problem. And what we're seeing, and I'm starting to get reports from from across the country, is that where there were shortages on parts, we've now started to catch up in certain categories. The problem is, is that not everybody has caught up at the same time. So while one parts distribution you know, location is overstocked, another one is understocked. And it's going to take a while for that to balance because we're going to start to see, you know, sometimes it can be as much as, as 12 months before an RGA is, is issued by a manufacturer and a distributor can send that inventory back. So I think that while, yes, the supply chain issues in some categories have have kind of sorted themselves out, we're going to still see a, a an issue with part shortages because where's the inventory? And then you have all of a sudden a sharp change in demand, and that's going to throw everything out of whack again. So we're not out of the woods yet with, with parts shortages. To me, what you said earlier about using the predictive insights to be able to predict Hey, look, we know how many of this we're going to need. Let's get the order in. Let's make sure our supplier has the inventory. If not, let's make sure that the lead time matches up with service intervals. This is going to be absolutely critical when extending life on vehicles, especially in an environment where you don't normally do that. We love our new work order analytics suite, which addresses just that. So we have a probability or a part survivability, you know, dashboard that, that allows us to say, this is your work order data. You usually change them here. Right. We're telling you, you have this many coming up. What's your inventory on your shelf look like? Right. So that kind of data, it's also helps with everything from like cost analysis by truck, by model, by depot, by distribution center. You can look at what's my average work order in Chicago versus what's my average work order in Texas. Right. And what's do, what are the two shops doing differently? Right. Well, they're ordering in advance and they get better pricing and they have a little bit more inventory on shelves, but they don't have any downtime. Right. And so you can start to dig into certain areas of the business utilizing stuff that you're already that you have access to. Let us consolidate it. Let us spit it out and help give you some directional guidance on impacts uh, that you can change in your organization. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. So listen, every company has an ideal customer. Who is your ideal customer? And like, what's the economic impact that this predictive insights and the, and the work order management tool has on that ideal customer? Yeah. So the ideal customer, I mean, we play really well with, you know, all class vehicles, one through eight, right? We have, we have customers that are delivering, you know, food and beverage and, you know, some pretty large, large folks that are out there doing those in vans and pickups and a lot of value there, right? You can't be down on the truck, you know, down the side of the road if you got a you got a load full of, of goods and services that you're supposed to be delivering. Class eight really provides the most value. They're the most, you know, expensive cars to fix. When something goes wrong, the trucks, you know, being down, there's severe impact there. So the value is a little bit different, whether you're, you know, driving light duty trucks or, or class five, six, seven, and eight. And so, so the the profile fits tends to be a little bit more valuable and, and a and a better ROI as you go up chain. But we also price accordingly. You know, if you're if you're in the in the smaller fleet, so ideal fleet for us is hey, you got four wheels and you're moving. Like we we can help out from from that standpoint. The economic impact is going to be seen throughout the org, like we talked about a little bit better. Everything from customer retention, contract renewals, things of that nature. To you know, driver turnover, driver impact on the road, and things of that nature. The savings, the easiest to measure is you know year over year maintenance costs, right? Am I can I reduce my maintenance cost per mile from fifty three cents? I want to get it down to fifty one cents, you know, something like that, right? Is there a number that you can do to to reduce the overall cost? And you do that by not having the the unplanned breakdowns, right, or the unplanned maintenance and things like that that are a shocker. Hey, this was just in the shop last week. And now it's back in again. Why? What did we miss? Right. And so if we can help eliminate that, then the economic impact is going to be great. We see customers with anywhere from 10x, you know, ROI to, to one of our largest customers, you know, experiences is about $3,000 a year per truck in savings. And they add up all that stuff. They add up the holistic soft ROI is where I would call it, which is customer impact, renewals on business and things like that. They take all that into account by saying, Hey, if I don't break down, I have a hundred percent chance of renewing this contract next year because I'm going to continue to deliver. Yeah. And, and boy, when you factor in those other components, customer retention, driver retention, the cost of retraining somebody and the cost of acquiring a new customer is so high. So you've got to factor all of that into your overall. And I bet you any of your clients that do that are probably showing greater ROI than someone who's using maybe a simpler metric, like just maintenance costs, but in either in either case, there is a measurable impact on the business. It's fantastic. Could you give us an example of a of a fleet that that specifically was able to make these kinds of changes using your platform and and like how did that go for them? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a big big class A dedicated and, and for hire combo. They they've been changing knock sensors on a on a schedule, you know, pre- preventive maintenance schedule at two hundred thousand miles, no matter what. Right, come hell or high water, this is what they did. And what they found was that they were changing ones that didn't necessarily weren't at their weren't, weren't at their life, while leaving others that needed change on the road. So they're at 175,000. They're having problems. They're breaking down. We can predict that and say these are the ones you need to fix. Don't worry about these. But then these ones are at the 200,000. You may as well show it as well. So it really opened up their eyes. They didn't have any mechanics. There's a mechanic shortage as it is. It was like we are doing the work. They're full all day, but we're doing the wrong work. Right. We're not putting and we're doing it because someone told us a long time ago that we should be changing these at this interval. We're not using the data to make the decisions. It says, Hey, that one's fine. Get it back out on the road. No signs of wear and tear. That's the one that needs fixed. Right. And so that was a real eye opening example for somebody that had been running a fleet uh, maintenance department for a long time, 
we have our process, we do that. And we said, hey, why don't we look at it just a different way? And they did the analysis and all that and kind of felt like they were doing the work on the wrong trucks at the wrong time. Yeah, that's such a great example because, you know, unfortunately, if you don't have more sophisticated data, you are kind of at the mercy of an arbitrary uh, kind of average recommendation from a manufacturer. And it doesn't take into consideration your specific situation, even amongst a fleet that maybe runs trucks in different areas. And therefore, the environment causes another change in the data set which needs to be accounted for. And that's why one truck is, is, you know, should be done at 150,000, another one at 225. It's, it makes all the difference in the world. Your operating environment, your, the heaviness of your loads, the temperature, all that stuff goes into the fact. But a PM just says, I don't care. It's 200,000. Change it. Change it because I said so, right? And so getting people the data that's already available to them, right? We're not asking anybody to create more stuff. It's the TSPs, the OEMs are providing that. We can get that and, and and make these really really good recommended insights for for co- for for folks to make the the proactive decisions on how to maintain vehicles. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Jim Rice, the VP of Transportation at Uptake. To learn more about Uptake, visit uptake.com. Links are in the show notes, and we're actually going to make that link go right through to their fleet page. Jim, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I was very happy to talk to you today. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.